having family around, and, um, and my sister-in-law Ange and, and niece and nephew uh, here as well, so that's good. Uh, we, we, we obviously went to conferences. Anyone, uh, while I'm speaking for my intro, if, you've got, uh, if you went to conference and you've got maybe a little testimony you want to share, um, then just maybe come up to the side here, think about it. Uh, you've got a little bit of time. Uh, to think about that. Conference was amazing. And obviously, we haven't had one since 2019 because of, you know, restrictions and things like that, all that, all that, all that stuff. So, uh, and I also um, realized that going away to conference is like a big deal, like, because you're in Wellington. Actually costs quite a lot of money to be able to do that. And, uh, and as a church, we try and make it, you know, we bought a whole bunch of tickets, tried to make it as, as, cost-effective, and actually the, they put the price of tickets up, and I rang them up and said, hey, we don't want to pay that. <laughs> we want to pay the early bird price, you know? Come on. And, um, uh, and so that was cool, and they said, yeah, for sure, and, um, which was awesome. And we had, a, had some teams down there and things like that. It was awesome. And I think about, you know, uh, once a year, uh, you know, they, they would have a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate their, their festivals and things like that. And I think it's always good to have a bit of a pilgrimage uh, um, to go to. And I think like that, that yearly conference for us is kind of like that kind of pilgrimage where you can kind of pull away from your, from your normal life and sort of just really seek the Lord, allow Him to build some character in you through loud sound, late nights, uh, kids uh, being broke, you know, all this, <laughs> whatever it is, uh, you know, um, but allow God to do something uh, in your life, like to, to just dedicate some time for him, you know, and obviously you come here and to church, amazing, that's cool, but there's something different about sort of getting away, getting with the larger body of Christ, you know, and with the people from other areas and other churches that, that we belong to and are, and are part of us, so that's a really cool thing as well. Do you guys want to come and share a couple of testimonies? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, come on. How are we all doing? Um, I just wanted to share quickly. I, uh, the first night we had uh, Pastor Paul Gearing share from uh, Brisbane. I think it's Brisbane, wasn't he? And uh, he was just talking about um, digging new wells. And uh, on the last night in worship, I just kind of felt God say that it was kind of a, a something for this church, and I believe that this church needs to really start digging new wells in God, and he was like, you don't dig a well by hand, you get down on your hands and knees, and you pray, and you read your word, and like, if you're believing for something, if you're believing for family members, if you're believing for breakthrough in your life, I believe God's just really saying, you need to start digging new wells in him, and really going after him with something new, like there's a, there's a broken and pretty broken world out there, and they need Christians on fire for God, willing to do the hard work and get stuck in on him and really know him and be able to bring something into their lives and make change in their lives. So yeah, I just felt like that was a word for the church. And uh, if you're believing for something, if you're believing for people, get out there and start doing the mahi in your, in your quiet times with God, eh? Yeah, what he said. I'll do a Ken, what he said. <laughs> um, yeah, that. Um, that was amazing too, and I love that. Yeah, digging wells on, on your knees. Um, so I was going to share that, 
but I was kind of tossing between a couple of things because we had a feast. So we're just going to tell you like one mouthful of the whole feast. So how do you do that? But um, so um, I'll tell you then about an encounter I had. And I, um, um, the, the guy was speaking, and he said, right, at the end, we'll, we'll stand up and we'll finish with worship. And he um, said, um, and then he, he said, oh, so we all stood up, and the, the song's kind of playing in the background, and he kept talking. And then he, he just sort of went, <laughs> and it went across the room and hit me in the spirit, and I was just laughing out loud in the spirit, and it was really embarrassing. No one else is doing that. And um, so it's, it's like fighting the flesh in my head, but like just letting Holy Spirit do what he was doing. And then, um, and then um, as the guy kept, kept talking, he said something I could kind of hear in the background that he said something about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and I um, and I saw Jesus, literally saw Jesus washing my feet, and so here I was in laughter, but then I was kind of crying at the same time, but hysterical, because there was Jesus, and he was washing my feet, and I said, and I said, but Lord, but Lord, I don't feel worthy. And he, he didn't say a word. He just kept his eyes on me with a beaming smile, and he just kept washing my feet. And the love that was pouring out of him, the love was just overwhelming. And I was kind of laughing and crying with the awe that it was Jesus. It was Jesus. And then, of course, I got home, and I, I read it in the Scriptures, always go to the Scriptures you know, and I read in the scriptures, and there it is in John 13, and verse 1, he said he wanted to show them the fullness of his love, that was the love I was feeling, and he washed their feet, and there's a lot in that scripture, and it was beautiful. Thanks, Trina. Dan? Hey, I also wanted to to say uh, this morning, uh, we don't talk a lot about giving and tithes and offerings and things like that, and we don't, we don't even obviously hand around the plate. There's a box at the back if you want to put an envelope in there, and there's giving online. But I just wanted to point out that if you, if you do want to give, because some people are like, I don't even know where the bank account number is, you guys, come on. Uh, well, it's on, um, <laughs> if you go to a website, uh, it's the easiest way. And you know, if you, there's a little tab thing up here, and you push that, and then you go down. It's got like all these cool things, and then you go to give, and you click on that right there, and then you go down, it's got like different things, how we give, and then it's like giving online, um, and there's the online banking there, there it is, or in person, yeah, it's a neat day, um, but I just wanted to say that, and um, because, um, you know, you guys give, and it's like, uh, it's very humbling for, for us receiving that, you know, and we, and we, uh, very, I know for the trustees, very diligent about how we spend that and, and where, where that goes. And so we're very grateful for that. Yeah. And utterly has come to preach. <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is thanks, thank you for your giving. And I know that it's, it's an amazing thing and we appreciate it greatly. We do have, uh, it was Jack and I, or Jack was talking to me, told me it was a good idea to 
um, <laughs> and I agree, uh, to share a little bit about church finances and the way things are set up. So we will have that message coming up and we'll just share and sort of, because there's a lot of new people here uh, and sort of in the last year. So it's good to know how things run. And um, so we'll kind of, like, it's not an AGM. We don't do those, They're dumb. And, um, but we will talk about that, yeah. Hey guys, sorry, I'm totally running out of voice. This is what happens when you're sick on conference and you have to sing anyway. So um, anyway, hi, I'm Atulia. Um, and something I got from conference, I wasn't gonna share it, but God was like, go up there and say something. So here I am. Um, and what I got from conference is Pastor Javen from um, Las Vegas, City Light Church. He did a message about um, um, just your past and something that I've been thinking about, because obviously I used to um, run the youth with Manaya, and it was honestly such a privilege and an honor, but it also put me in positions where I had to challenge myself, and I had to get up and I had to do words on a Sunday where I had no words to share on a Sunday, but God would give me, so it uh, would put me in the faith zone, which is kind of funny, because that's what your minister says right there. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but then, obviously, I've come out of that, and... Um, and Sarah and Dan have taken over, and they are amazing at what they do. Yeah, shout out, guys. But I had come to a position where I was like, man, I'm never going to be able to do something that, like, great. Again, like, I'm ne- <laughs> never going to get, like, the opportunity, or I'm never going to worship there like I worship lead that Sunday. You know, like, I had limited, like, God's calling, because I was just like, no way, like, that I could do anything better than what I've done. And he just encouraged you and he just said, you know, like your past isn't like, oh, I think I'm losing. Like, yeah, it's not your best days. Your best days yet to come. And then obviously one of our church verses is 1 Corinthians 2, 7, I think. I think, don't quote me on that. Um, but it's like, no, I have seen no ears heard, no mind has imagined um, the plans God has for those who love him. And so, I don't know, which is kind of like a wake up call. Like, actually, like, what, who do you think you are to put limits on what God has for your life and the potential God has because he loves you in church. So I just want to encourage you in the dreams that you have and just, you know, don't, don't think that your best days have been. Our elders and our leaders don't think that your best days have, have been and our young adults, you know, your best days are yet to come. Youth, your best days are yet to come. So I just want to encourage you guys, you know, like with Jesus, anything is possible. Like how dare we say this is not possible, yeah? Love you guys. <laughs> um, one of my highlights from conference um, was actually nothing to do with any of the speakers. It was all about our young people. And so after every night, they'd close down a session with the youth. And so the youth from all over this nation would get up and they would just praise, have a praise party. And uh, it just blessed my heart because it tells me that the heart of New Life Churches is for the next generation. And my challenge to us here is that is our heart, but is that what we're doing? If our heart is for the next generation, do we support them? Do we give to them? Do we support them when they come and minister to us from the front? Do we come expectant going, man, God can move through them? Or do we not bother showing up? Or do we just go, oh, well, it's just the young people? You know, they're not going to do anything. No, well, they're not with stink support like that. And so, you know, but I want us to be a church that is proud of our young people, that gives opportunity. And when we give opportunity, the rest of us are there supporting them. Even if they fall flat on their face, 
it is hard work getting up here speaking to you. <laughs> but do you know what I mean by let, let's just really shift and align our perspective on what our young people have to give. Because if we shut them down, where they're supposed to thrive, where they're supposed to live in opportunity, what is that sharing with them about how God sees them? You know, I love our young people. I am proud of our young people. I love watching them represent Peak Vision and Hawke's Bay when we go anywhere. Wherever there's a song of worship or praise lifted up or a whole lot of noise, guess who's at the center of that? It's not me and Kent. It's our young people. Our young people. You should be proud. In fact, why don't we stand on our feet this morning and just actually give our young people just... So just a bit of praise offering. Just be like, man, we are proud of you guys. We believe in you. God has a purpose and a vision and a future and a hope for each and every one of you. And we consider it a privilege that we get to help steward and raise up and believe in your gifts and the call of God on your life. Amen? Amen? Um, yeah, the... Uh I just, I just wanted to say to, to sort of add weight to that, you know, the, the older you are in God's kingdom, the more valuable you are. Yeah, come on. So, so the older you are in God's kingdom, the more valuable you are. So if you're an older person, because sometimes, you know, I'm getting older now. You guys, I have these things in my head, you know, you're like, man, you look young, Kent, but I, when I'm getting older, I am. And uh, same, same rate, actually, as you are. But the... Uh, uh, you know, it's kind of it's easy. The devil can easily whisper to you and say, you've missed it, you know, which is a big fat lie. And um, lie, lie, pants on fire. And uh, so, but, but you haven't missed it and you've, gotta, you've just got to go again. It's like a word that keeps coming up and you've got to go again and you've just got to champion young people, but believe that God's, your, be, your best days are yet to come. That's the promise, come on. And, uh, and the more valuable you are, in God, uh, the older you are, the more valuable you are in God's kingdom. Yeah. So, so in the world, the older you get, the less value they seem to place on you. Hey. But in God's kingdom, it's the opposite. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to concur all of that. It was like my like, absolute highlight, if there's one moment at conference, was when... Um, Pastor Javen called out all the under 25s and we were standing there in their place and we declared over our young people that they belong, that Gen Z belongs to Jesus. And man, I tell you, when we said that, I just like, it was like sanded up hard and I just, I felt such a privilege to be an older boy amongst Gen Z. You know, we run down this generation, oh, they slackers, this and that, you know, blah, blah. But Gen Z belongs to Jesus. And us as the older crew here, oh, man, what a privilege. I wanted to say, you know, with Dan and Sarah, as much as sometimes it doesn't feel like it, what a flipping privilege it is to be leading this Gen Z into what God is doing in this place. And a couple of little things, just a couple of little thoughts was, one of the speakers spoke about, you know, what, 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 what drives us, what we pursue. And most people pursue pleasure. 
but when we pursue purpose, that's when you find your true fulfilling. And purpose is when you're, I really, I solely believe that my anointing is released by serving Gen Z. That's where, that's where the power is in, in serving this younger generation is where the power and strength is. And to me, that in that is found, as purpose is found in that. And uh, let's pursue purpose over passions and pleasures. You will find all of those when you pursue purpose. You'll find everything you're looking for when you pursue purpose. And that can only come from a life lived for God and living in that purpose and living for purpose. So, yeah. How good. We could just do this all day. <laughs> it's good. Who's enjoying it so far? I am. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, awesome. Well, that's the intro. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what, I, uh, what I wanted to say was is that one, one of the things that I've started to experience as I've been walking with the Lord is that uh, for God to move and for God to do something, we, we have to kind of do something first. So, so faith kind of works with action, right? So it's sort of it's got to be, it's preemptive. So uh, we, I know, uh, we had a, a life group that we started running years ago and uh, nobody came to it. It's kind of, you know, yeah. Yeah, it happens, you know. Uh, and uh, people are unpredictable. Uh, at the best of times. And what, uh, one thing I've noticed that's happening is that, you know, the, the yes be yes and your no be no isn't really applying. So it's like, it, I'll, I'll go unless I get a better offer, you know, um, kind of thing. You know what I mean? But you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's what the scripture says, you know. Do what you said you'd do. You, you know, man's word is his bond. You know, we do a deal on a handshake, you know, those sort of things, remember? I'm speaking anyone's language up in here. And, uh, and young people, that's, that's how it is. That's how it should be, okay? So that's, that's your rule of thumb right there. And, uh, and so, but you've got to kind of, and so we thought, man, this is not working, you know? Like, no one's coming here. So, and, and we just kind of, Pane and I both felt we needed to prepare the house, okay? So let's prepare the house. Let's clean it up, clean the couch down, like, uh, and, and we, we, like, we had a couple people come and they, they, you know, they had young kids and things like that and that's awesome um, but you know, young kids can distract a little bit you know, and mum can be finding it hard because she doesn't know uh, uh, can I let my child run around in your house or not you know, will they break your nan's china I don't know, you know what, what is the, the co-papa with, with, with your fuddy you know, like, so, uh, so we, we had this little back room so we cleaned it up, tidied it up put some carpet in there, got a little video and some bean bags and, you know, TV thing. And, and so, uh, and then Pania cooked the biscuits, the, the chocolate chip cookies, you know, she cooked them, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and the people came, right? The people would, they started to come. So when you prepare, then it, it, it opens the door for, for God to do something. And he did, did amazing things within that life group and it, and, and it grew and grew and we had a great season in that time, right? But we had to do something first. You know, if I go to your house, will I find the cupboard? My mother-in-law's here. I won't find it at her house, just saying. But will I find the cupboard that you open and things fall out? <laughs> will, will I find that cupboard? You know, you open the cupboard, will things pour out of there. Is there no room for anything else? 
Hmm? You know, will I open your car door and will the McDonald's pour out of the, you know, the little gust of wind and all the, all the McDonald's goes blowing down the road. You know, is there no room for anything else? And so I think that, you know, when you, okay, I'm, I use conferences as, as an example and I really want you to go maybe even like bi-annually, annually, 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 annually. That's every two years. Oh, it's easy to just say every two years, you know. Why don't you just go every two years? Maybe you, maybe you want to, you didn't go this year. Maybe you should make a plan to go next year. You know, maybe you should start saving like 10 bucks a week, you know, sacrifice a coffee and, um, go, and, and go for next, plan to go for next year. Hopefully it'll be on next year. It'll be great. But when you make room for something, then God can do something. And the problem that I see at the moment is sometimes our lives are so full that we don't actually have any room and any time for God. Busyness is our biggest giant, you know. Uh, ourselves, we're so full of ourselves, we've got no room for anybody else, you know what I mean? Like ourselves are our biggest, we're our own worst enemy, our biggest giant that we have to face. Can I make room for somebody else in my life? You know, when you come to church, I remember a friend of mine came to church and I remember following him through the cafe area at the church and uh, he was a hard looking dude with the cap pulled down and, you know, marks on his face and I remember following him through the, through the church and people diverted and looked away. No one wanted to talk to him. Pained my heart. Can we make room for someone else? And so... Uh, so I, I did title this message the faith zone can we can we step into the faith zone can we can we say something to somebody I spoke to like a lady in a cafe when I was in Wellington and uh, I didn't know what to say so I just said uh, hello how are you going it's like well that's a good start you know and uh and she said oh, I'm, I'm going all right and uh that's good I said oh, where, where are you off to she said I'm going to work I'm like, oh, that explains the look on your face. You look a bit tired. She said, yeah, I am, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the conversation sort of went off. Nothing happened in that conversation. We said, oh, I said, oh, see you later. Have a good day. But she said, what are you doing down here? I said, I'm here for a church conference, you know. And, and I think, you know, all she needed to know was that a, a Christian can actually be nice and engage in a conversation and say, have a good day. Change her perspective about how she sees God. Uh, so that was just stepping into the faith, faith zone. It's really hard when you're a natural introvert because you just want to um, be away from everybody, you know what I mean? So you've got to step out. You've got to say something and do something that's going to create this vacuum where faith can kind of operate. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? You get, a, get a bit of a picture of, of, of what we're going. So Noah built an ark when there was no rain. What was he doing? He was in the faith zone. Oh, crazy man Noah. Hey, what's, I don't even know what he's building, you know? Looks like the inside of the Michael Fowler Center, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Abraham, go to a place that I'll show you. Hear the word of the Lord. The word, word of the Lord came to me. What did he say? He just said, go to a place I'll show you. <laughs> How does that work? It's the, it's the vacuum of faith. It's the faith zone. Go to a place I'll Show you. I haven't shown you yet, but you've just got to go. All right? 
Uh, what about Gideon? Gideon, you've got too many men. We're going to war. We're fighting a battle. Man on man. And Gideon, you've got too many. Okay. Um, all right. What's that about? It's about getting in the faith zone. You know, what about Elijah to the woman in the, in the famine? Make me some bread. Oh, I don't have any. I've only got this. What does it do? Puts her in the faith zone. Esther, have you been called? Maybe you've been called for such a time as this. Go before the king. Puts her in the, maybe you can save your people, Esther. Puts her in the faith zone. The biggest thing that the devil wants to deceive you about is that you cannot make a difference in this world. The biggest thing that he wants to come against the church is the same thing, that we cannot make a difference in this world. But we are the light of the world. We, have, we carry Jesus, the hope of the world, the salt of the earth, you know? Uh, and so what about Deborah, one of five female prophets we know in the Bible, declares war and victory for Israel. She operates in the faith zone. She even had the hit single, one of the first hit singles that we hear of on MTV, you know? Deborah's triumph, Oof, you know, went to number one. Yeah, that was the deal. She's like, okay, um, was it Barak? I think it was Barak. And she said, you know what, Barak, you're going to go and you're going to fight these, um, these other guys and we're at war, you know, smite them. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to go unless you go. She says, well, if I go, they're going to sing the song about me and I'll get the honor through the Lord, you know. You got it? Anyway, it's a good read. It's in Judges 4, I think. So go and you can read that. Uh, it's really good. Um, David bringing the ark, when he brought the ark back into Jerusalem, he had to prepare, prepare. And remember that it didn't work the first time. You know, one of the dudes got killed. And he's like, oh no, we're gonna have to leave it here. This isn't working. What was wrong? He didn't prepare properly. So he had to prepare. So what did he do? He got into the faith zone. Uh, Jesus drew aside. He prepared. He got before his father to be in the faith zones. And it starts with his quiet time with the Lord. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you so you can live in the faith zone. Jack and Sari building a church this size in Hawke's Bay. What's that? Living in the faith zone. Jack and Sari, get them. That audacity, you know? <laughs> in Havelock North too, you know? The epicenter of the house of the Lord, you know? That's what's, that's the new name. And, um, yeah, uh, what about stepping out into ministry, getting into the faith zone? What about getting married, stepping into the major faith zone? You know, what about starting a business? You're stepping into the faith zone, trusting the Lord that the work's gonna come, that it's all gonna be okay, that he's gonna provide. You know, what's God asking you to do that, that you've said no to or you're, you're not wanting to do? You're, you're kind of like wavering. He wants to get you into the, and you know what? It's not comfortable living in the faith zone. You know, when, you're, when you've got a financial thing going on that you're believing for, you know? When you're looking at the interest rate changes coming up, you're in the faith zone. You're believing that somehow you're gonna pay for this. It's not comfortable, is it? But I feel like that God graces us to be able to live and, and survive and even thrive in lack. Do you know? 
Uh, and so, so this, this scripture that I'll, I'll get to it in a second, the scripture is, is, is about that. And so um, when Peter, the moment when Peter stepped out of the boat on the water, when he trusted the Lord, he said, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come to you. And he steps out and his heart skips a beat when he puts his foot on the water and all of a sudden it's solid, it's firm. He can, he can, his mind over matter. <laughs> and, uh, you yeah, mind over matter. And, uh, you know, and it went from a liquid to a solid. Bro, this is solid, you know. And uh, uh, what's that? It's about the faith zone. And, you know, great things happen in the faith zone. Great mistakes happen in the faith zone. And without the faith zone, it's impossible to please God because uh, it says that in Hebrews eleven six, and without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So he expects us to expect that we can expect a reward from him. Did you get that? He expects us to expect that we can expect a reward from him when we operate in the... So anybody say faith zone. This is a good message so far. Like I'm loving it, you know. It's come up really good. Uh, polished it off, you know. Uh, so here's a good scripture. 2 Kings 4, 8, like Old Testament. Uh, and uh, I love these stories. There's two stories. One about a... Um, a solo mum and her son uh, who um, uh, are dying, living in a famine, dying, and the man of God comes in. And that's the story about making the bread. And then there's the second story, which is about a woman who's married, who's well off, and, um, but doesn't have a son. And so this, this kind of like, it's cool how, how the Bible brings in these, these two different characters and they're very relevant in our world today. And, uh, and so it says, one day Elisha went to Shunem. This is 2 Kings 4, 8 to 17. It says, one day Elisha went to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, uh, who urged him to eat some food. So, and so Elisha is the prophet of God. He's the man of God, okay? Uh, and, um, and so we, whenever he passed uh, that, by that way, uh, he would turn in there and eat food. And she said to her husband, behold, now I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there a bed, uh, him a bed, put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that uh, whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. And one day he came there and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, uh, his Mexican servant, uh, call the Shunammite, uh, call the Shunammite, that's just what you call her, uh, and when he, the Shunammite woman, and when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said, and he said to him, now say to her, uh, it's a little bit like going to the doctor, uh, you know, yeah, um, and um, now, 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 say to her, see, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is uh, to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, uh, she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son. 
and her husband is old. So there's a problem right there. Okay, so it's either we're going to get a son or a younger husband. No, that's just, anyway. Uh, he said, call her. And when he, um, <laughs> when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord. O man of God, do not lie to your servant. Because other you know, preaching ministries had been around before that, you know, other prophetic ministries that weren't the real deal and they had prophesied and, and nothing had happened. Maybe, I don't know, just guessing. Uh, oh man, stick to the script. Oh man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived and she bore a son about that time, uh, the same, about that time, the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. Okay, so a good, good reference to, or good picture for, for the Hebrew scripture we just read that you can expect that God expects for you to receive something, okay? And, uh, and so when goodness is given, then goodness is actually get given back. Given, it will be given unto you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. Well, the measure you use will be measured back to you, okay? So, um, and so, and I think about, you know, I think about the woman is a wealthy. And I think about the scripture in um, uh, Matthew 13. It says that, you know, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. And so no fruit is produced. And so even, even with a woman who, the, the, the woman in the story before this who was incredibly poor, she had to deal Think, yeah, she had to deal with her, uh, her poor heartedness. I don't know what the word is. You know, her um, poverty. Her poverty. That's it. Thank you. That's why these guys are doing English. And uh, so, and uh, and yet, and the, the woman still had to deal with the wealth, the wealth issue, because we still got to deal with those things. Those they're all challenge can be challenges for us. And so, for this first thing that I see and recognize about the woman, is that she recognized who Elisha was. So if you're taking notes, you can write down, she recognized who Elisha was. I went to, uh, I just want to say, I don't mean to call, call anyone out, but uh, when we went to Storm Camp North and spoke there, they said to me, they said, oh, Kent, we've put you down to do a leadership training uh, as one of the breakout sessions for the... Uh, for the camp, and I was like, "Oh man, I like I love talking about that stuff, you know." And so, uh, so we get there, and it's this kind of a small room, maybe like I don't know about a, a dozen or fifteen uh, young people, uh, youth leaders and pastors, you know. And um, they uh, they're there, and I saw so my first point was, um, well, you know, we're gonna talk about leadership and leaders, and so, um, so the, here's the first point. And so I pause. And I look around, and they're all sitting there looking at me, and I say, good leaders, take notes. <laughs> and uh, everyone like kind of, <laughs> and I said, take them on your phone, I don't care, write them on a bit of paper, put them on a napkin, write it on the back of your hand. God's going to speak to you about something that you need to write down, you know, if you want to grow, Write things down. 
You know, you come here and you listen to really good preaching week after week and you don't even write any of it down. Like God's, even if I say nothing that's worth writing down, you're in the presence of the Lord. We're reading scripture. God is speaking to you. Write it down. Is that too harsh? I think we'll just go with that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, or get your wife to write it down. You know, like I don't... Have a system. Come on. Have a system. <laughs> Have a system. Yeah. Record the message. I don't know. Whatever it is for you. You know, uh, Ed Cole, he's got a good quote. He says, on paper, off the mind. On paper, off the mind. When you wake up at two o'clock in the morning thinking about that court case, Roger. On paper, off the mind. When you know, when you wake up in the morning thinking about your finances, you know, on paper, off the mind. Write it down. Need money. <laughs> uh, okay, so she recognized who Elijah was. Uh, Jesus asked the disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And only one of them could say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Yeah. Recognize gain. Okay, uh, she, uh, second point is, is that she demonstrated the power of hospitality, which by the way is a gift. Uh, and uh, are we generous enough to share our fridge? I remember when Rick used to come over and I was like a new, um, uh, you know, I was like a new youth leader and I was like stingy as, and of course he would just go straight for the fridge and John as well, my brother-in-law. And I'm like, bro, get out of there, you know, like, come on. And then like God had to deal with me because I realized that, you know, he was the provider. Let the brothers go to the fridge, you know, like it's just, it's hospitality, it's what you do. You know, people come around for lunch, they're like, what do, what do I owe you? I'm like, I don't know, you can do the dishes, you know, <laughs> if you want. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but let's practice hospitality. Like, uh, you know, do we share our fridge? Do we share our table? Do we share our time? You know, and here's some, there's always the reasons, and they're always the same reasons that stand to oppose hospitality. My apartment is too small. Bang. Uh, I don't have much time. Bang. You know, uh, I'm a terrible cook. You know, uh, my house is always a mess. You know, um, it costs too much. You know, it's not the right one. Um, uh, we're in the middle of home improvements. I saw them here somewhere. Did I see Georgia here? No. Over where? I was on the side. Oh, yeah. So you guys were doing uh, home improvements at your house, and you still had Life Group there. How did that go? It was good. There you go. So it's good. Just do it, you know? Really good. Um, people want to see uh, real life in motion. They want to see your, your life in motion, not just standing up in here with your nice Under Armour, brand new T-shirt on, looks swag ass. And, um, you know, all polished up. They want to see you in your mess. Yeah. See how you live yeah. with the Lord in your mess, you know. Yeah, and, um, and so and that's what life groups are all about. You know, if, you, if you're not part of a life group in the church, in this church, then you're missing out. Yeah. 
you know, uh, and I know that you'll love being part of the right group. You know, I think about the, the life group that I'm part of, we just run in the morning, once a week. No, you're not invited, I like my small group. Uh, uh, but we run, and man, I look forward to that now. Like, I used to die, you know, I always have a near-death experience running up the peak, but I, I look forward to that, and, and these, are, these are like my guys. I, I know that I can share stuff uh, with them. I know that I can talk about my hard times. I know that I'm in a safe place with them, but you've got to commit to it. You know, like we've been running about a year and a half now, I think, with, with these guys, and um, Rob, you're the man. I love you, bro. You're a top man, and God's doing something amazing in your life, and you are like the, the man's man and men of, you're, you're men of men. I don't know if that makes sense, but, but you know, you have a draw that, that other men are attracted to, not just because you're handsome, rugged, good looking, and, you know, so muscular, but maybe that's part of it as well. But, but you know, you have a sweet spirit about you and, and, and you're able to lead men, you know, really well. And I think that God just wants to open that up for you. And, and you already do, you know, you, you are our, you are, you are our leader when we run, you know? And we're like, we're lost, eh, bro? Yeah, me and Jay, we're lost. Zani, we're, we're lost uh, without you. So uh, that's how powerful that is. Yeah, definitely the muscles, you know? Um, that's how powerful that is. And, and, you know, we have a goal, and I'm, I'm gonna drop this, babe. I haven't asked you, but I, I'm... No, you're taking my I'm gonna drop this, but we have a goal for, for life groups next year. An amount we've got, like, we're going to set a number on this, you know. They, they, they put a number on this building. They said, you can't have more than 999 people in the building. I'm like, okay, let's, let's smash that, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, you, you know, let's, let's, put a, let's actually put a number on that, you know, for our life groups, you know. Maybe, you know, because I think that life is better done in the context of a, of a community. Like, that's what it's about. And so often people are, you know, in their time of need, it's often because they are alone. That is the one defining factor in their need, they are alone, so they need help. When you're not alone, you can still have need, but you have help. You know what I'm saying? So... Uh, and so, um, and that's why Moses gave a specific command about foreigners after the freed people from slavery. Back in the Old Testament, he said, you must not mistreat or oppress foreigners in any way. New people who are coming to church, that is, okay? Just bring that into the New Testament. Uh, remember, you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You were once a foreigner walking into a church not knowing anybody, and you needed somebody to come up and talk to you. You needed somebody to come into your world. And I hope, hope today that there are people here who have been welcomed today, that, that people have interrupted, you've, you've had people from this church interrupt your world with a good smile and a good handshake, the spirit of hospitality. Uh, people who come to church have mustered up courage uh, to overcome like great like strongholds in their mind, in their head, and they're desperate, they're hurting, they're searching for answers, and they come in, and so often we drop the ball on it. They've done all that work to get there, and we just need to engage them. 
They're on, uh, literally on the doorstep. We've just got to engage them. You know, I think about like, you know, I, my kids know that it's like today's kind of like a work day, but we're busy talking to people. Like, I love everybody here, and I'm sorry if I don't talk to you because I'm actually looking for the person that needs talking to. You know, and we should all carry that. We can go out for lunch after. It's all good. But we should look for the person who needs talking to. Do you know what I mean? We can, we can catch up another day. How are we going for time? We should probably get the keys back up. That's good. We said that, we said that. Okay. Do you want another point? I've got a couple more and then we'll finish. She made room for him. Or she made a room for him, okay? We kind of got that point. If all your cupboards are full, do you have room? You know, when you open the cupboard, do things fall out? Are our lives like this? No room for anyone else, no room for God. We'll go to the next one. Uh, Interestingly enough, I think that religion makes no room for God. You know, she made room for him. So I would say make room for him in your life today. Um, So uh, another point, I don't know what number. I I just don't number my points, you know, because you know when you're taking notes, well, if you're a note taker and you take notes and and then the the preacher's like, it's point five. And I'm like, I'm on point four or three. I'm on point six. I'm like, I'll just give up, mate. Like, just, I'm just going to take the notes that come into my head. You know, uh, what God starts, he finishes. What God starts, he finishes. So when, sh- so, so the boy that, uh, that Elijah had said would be conceived, did become conceived, started growing up. Then one day he had a really sore head, headache, went to his mum and he died. And so the woman's like, I'm, she goes straight to the man of God. She goes straight back to Elisha. His servant comes out and she, he says, well, are you all good? She's like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to see Elisha. He's like, okay. So, and then when she gets to Elisha, she falls down at his feet and is like, she's like, what the heck is going on? This promise from God has died. But remember what God starts, he finishes. And so it says here in verse 27, when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi, the servant, came over to push her away. Uh, But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said. Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes. But what God starts, he finishes. If God's raised your hopes and made you a promise, then he's gonna make good on that promise. I don't understand it. I don't know why. I don't even sometimes have the faith for it, believe it or not. But his word stands true. What he starts, he finishes. Sometimes we start things and expect God to finish it, but that's not how he operates. If we've started something that's not from him, then we need to stop, repent, and go, God, I got it wrong. How do we fix this now? Because what he starts, he finishes. God won't let you down. And the woman was afraid to be hopeful. Maybe we've started something in our own strength that needs to die. 
needs to let go of, needs redeeming, needs surrendering back to him. And just to kind of summarize, the Shunammite woman's heartfelt hospitality to Elisha and simple, sincere faith led to an amazing series of events. Elisha was certainly blessed. And God abundantly blessed the woman's life during a difficult period in Israel. Still today, God often uses his people's humble acts of service to bless bless both the giver and the receiver. And I would say, stop focusing on what you don't have. Um, Yeah, I felt like there's there's a word here. And it was, um, why don't we stand up and I'll I'll just, I'll share this with you to finish. It's real, it's real simple. It's to do with like being in the faith zone, you know. We, um, sometimes when we go along in our lives, you know, we kind of accumulate things and then we kind of get kind of comfortable and things like that. And then we kind of become really careful about our Christianity or about our giving or, or about our business or whatever it is, about our kids. And you know what? It's faith that got you this far. It's, it's faith that got you here. It's faith that opened the door. It was being uncomfortable. It was being in the faith zone that, that got you to this place now. As if, as for my, I'm saying this to myself. It's, it's faith that got you here, Kent Thompson. It was trusting him all the way, 100% all in that got you here, mate. Like, wake up. Stop being so comfortable. Like, it's not, we're not, we, we're not done yet. Like, you know, like, kick, kick your own backside if you have to. Like, we, we're here, this is a comfortable auditorium. We've, we, you know, we, we've got a good car park. You know, we've got some, a nice place to live and things like that. But let's not get comfortable because it's faith that, that got us here. But we haven't, a, we haven't a, by any means arrived yet, you know. But it's going to take faith to get you to where you need to go. You know, think about what you believe about the Lord, who He is to you, and how He's revealed to you. It takes faith to go to another step, to another level of who He is in your life. You've got to actually got to have a relationship with Him, and you've got to trust Him. It takes faith. You've got to be in the faith zone. If you don't know who Jesus is, you've got to get into the faith zone and actually say, Jesus, I'm going to give you a chance. I don't, maybe you don't know a lot about him. Maybe, maybe you, you have this, some, maybe some wrong ideas about who he is, you know, but you've got to give it a chance. Maybe you're here today, you're hearing my voice online. You've got to give him a chance. You've got to step into the faith zone. Allow him to be, and don't just dip your toe in. Like, like there is a, you gotta go all in. Because going a little bit in isn't the faith zone. And it, it actually will never amount to anything. You're here because one day you said yes to Jesus and you went all in. That's why you're here. That's why you're leading your family. You said yes 
Do you remember that day? But you can't, you can't live on that old faith. You can't live. You've got to, to go forward, you've got to get back in that zone. It's where, like the rubber meeting the road, you know, just bring it in and put some fresh tires on it and get going again. Like get that rubber on the road. Okay. So if, so if that's you, if you want to be in the faith zone, you don't know who Jesus is, you've been away from him. What we're going to do is going to pray a prayer and we're going to step back into the faith zone, okay? And maybe you just need to take a step forward right now where you are. You know, if you can push the chair a little bit in front of you, just bunt it out of the way. So I'm taking a step forward in the faith zone today. This is what I'm going to do. Make a decision, you know. Starts with that. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm like, I'm not going to be offended anymore. I'm, I'm not going to allow myself to be offended. I'm not going to listen to the lies of the devil anymore that tells me there's no investment in the kingdom and it always returns empty. That's not true. That is not true. It's the faith zone you have to live in, right? Let's close our eyes from, and, and pray this prayer. Search your heart today. I'll lead you in a prayer, inviting Jesus into your life, recommitting your life to him. Say this with me today. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for leading me here today. Thank you for the price you paid for me by dying on the cross. I believe in my heart that you were Lord, that you died and rose again. Please forgive me of my sin. Thank you, I'm made right with you today. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to say three, three things to you before we finish. The first one is be obedient. If God's telling you to do something or go somewhere, Despite your fears, listen to his call. He has plans we cannot begin to understand and hearts and lives may be changed by our obedience or I'd say will be changed by our obedience. Be courageous is the second thing. The old saying, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call applies here. Do something out of your comfort zone to glorify him can be terrifying. Doing something out of your comfort zone to glorify him can be terrifying, but faith was never promised to be easy. Be bold, be courageous for his glory. Get into the faith zone. Stand true. Number three, stand true. Never waver in your faith. We may not always know what is the road ahead will look like, but we only need to remember that God will faithfully guide us and lead the way. Just want you to remember those three things. Be obedient, be courageous, stand true, live in the faith zone. So good. We'll sing. Obviously, we have our prayer team up here, as I say, like every time I'm up here. If we can get the prayer team to come up. And uh, if you said that today, if you made a recommitment to Jesus, if you said, man, I need to step out to the faith zone, maybe you've never had prayer here today. Maybe you've never had someone pray for you. 
or it's been a long, long time and you're like, man, I need to get back to the Lord. I need to get back into the faith zone. There's nothing quite... One of the, one of the speakers, he said, you know what? I've, I've, never, I've never come and got prayer. I've never spoken in tongues. I've never done those things and been like, damn, I wish, I wish I'd never done that. It's a good thing to be in God's presence. It's a good thing. So if it's you today and you want some prayer, I would encourage you to come up. It's like when Peter stepped out on the boat, I'm imagining it, and he stepped down out of the boat onto the water and his heart would have like, kind of like been elevated pulse rate, you know what I mean? Like, like a little bit of adrenaline secreting from his glands and he would have like stepped down and the water would have been came hard. It's like a little bit like that. When you want, you feel like God is calling you, you feel like you need some prayer, you wanna back that up with some prayer and you gotta step out of the boat and skip a few beats with your heart and actually get out. Come on, he's calling you. He's calling you, man. Let's sing. You have been there.